Thank you for what you're doing in our church life. Thank you for what you're doing in our families, in our individual lives. You're awesome. Lord, I pray you'd anoint this moment as I share your word. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to move amongst us and to have your way. Touch lives this morning, I pray. Let us leave this place different from the way we came in. Let us have a story to tell of your goodness. Do it again, Lord God. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. You can grab your seat. You can grab your seat. We are in this series which I have called RE. Most of you will be familiar with it. The the RE. And it's like this. You look at the words on the screen. Recharge, reconsider, rebuild, repent, resist, repeat, refine. They're just great, great words that all begin with RE. And I feel personally encouraged because I came up with this kind of weird title. But it's developing well and a great feedback. One of my heroes in ministry is Craig Rochelle. Give me a wave if you're familiar with Craig Rochelle. Let me tell you about Craig Rochelle. Hands up if you have the YouVersion Bible app on your phone or somewhere. Most people. Well, Craig Rochelle's church fund that. It is free to everyone in the whole world because his church funds it. It was their dream that the Bible would become accessible to everyone who has a device. And uh, that's quite amazing, isn't it? And uh, so I follow him. I think he's brilliant. And um, he put a quote on his social media this week, which I'm hoping will come on the screen. And this is what Craig says. When you rebuke the enemy and return to God by repenting of your sins and receiving Christ, your spirit will be reborn, your mind renewed, your life rebuilt. You will be reconciled by Christ's redeeming work. And while you rejoice, you will reap the rewards of the relationship, causing revival to break free. See, that encouraged me. That makes me feel like I'm in step with what God's doing. Because if if someone who's one of my heroes is saying stuff like that, all to do with re, that is good. Amen. So today we are going to look at restore. Touch the person next to you and say it's time that God's going to restore something to you. We all understand the word restore. You had something once, you lost it, and it comes back to you. It is restored to you. I don't need to unpack that too much. But I've got several personal stories of restoration. Um, I guess when it's things like this, it's always, they're always quite tricky things, I think, sometimes. But the story, and I know I've told it in church life before, but it, it impacted my life. And uh, there was a time when there was a, a guy who came to our church with a business idea. And he came to me and my brother, Daniel, and he said, yeah, I've got this great business proposition and I've got this contract given to me. And what's going to happen is a military boat is going to come into Molden and they need it manned 24-7 with security. And I've won the contract. My only issue with it is I don't have the funding for it. Would you partner with me? Um, and Daniel and I talked about it and we thought, yeah. And at the time I was in a situation where I, I, I was running a business and I felt like maybe this was an opportunity for me to step away from the business and step into full-time ministry. And it, we, we sort of agreed on it and we went, yeah, yeah, yeah. So we put £20,000 of our own money behind this guy's vision and partnered with him. And he went out and he, he rented a car and he took a wage out of our lump of money and he started buying uniforms and it was all ticking along nicely. And about three months in, not much else had happened and Daniel and I looked at each other going, starting to feel a bit weird now. We've put 20 grand in and it's, you know, we've got a nice car and we've got some uniforms all racking up there, but not, not much else. So we thought we'd take it into our own hands and we drove to Maldon, which is about a 25-minute drive, to see this boat. It was going to be a warship. And uh, we got there and suddenly realised a warship at Maldon probably not going to fit. 
We found the contract which was signed and we found the man who had signed the contract. We presented this contract to him and he went white. He went, never seen that before. And me and Daniel looked at each other and the penny dropped. This guy came to our church with this great business idea, had forged a contract, had come up with this idea, had convinced us and we trusted him and we'd given him £20,000. We went round his house. He'd moved and we've never seen him since. Now, I don't know about you. Some of you might be mega, mega rich. I don't know. But at that point in my life, and actually probably today, I don't want to lose £20,000. Anyone fancy losing twenty grand? No. And it, and it hurt. I was, I was angry. I was annoyed. I'm so glad I didn't bump into him in the next week. I might have put him through a window or three. Given him the old five-knuckle anointing. But God did something in me, and I'm sure Daniel would have his own take on what God did in him. And I had to go on a journey of letting it go, because what else do you do? And uh, more than that, go on a journey of saying, okay, God bless him anyway. He's still your son. He's got his own issues going on. But this is what I know. Today, I stand in my best place I've ever stood. And I might have lost that money then, but I learned something on the journey. But God is continually restoring me back, not to where I was, but to a better place. And that is the heart of my father right there. And that is kind of the theme of what I want to share with you today. The word restore is quoted 136 times in the Bible. It is absolutely a biblical theme. Look at this passage in Zechariah chapter 9 and verse 12. It says this. Return to your fortress, you prisoners of hope. Even now I announce that I will restore twice as much to you. There's the heart of God. Turn to the person next to you and say, expect twice as much. That's not just a pastor's rhetoric, that's Bible rhetoric. That is the heart of the Father right there. But this is what I want you to notice. We have a part to play in God's restoration of us. The first thing he says is what? Return to your fortress. You have to do something. Come back to the place of safety. I love that next phrase, prisoners of hope. Imagine being so full of hope you can't get away from it. That should be our lives. We should be so full of hope that you turn around and you walk away and there's even more hope and you step 10 paces away and there's still, you can't get away. I'm a prisoner of hope. Everywhere I go, whatever happens to me, I am still going to be full of hope. I can't get away from it because I'm full of the Spirit of God. I'm full of hope. So he says, return. He says, do this action. And then the next thing that happens, he says, then I will pay you back double. In my story with this guy, I had choices to make. I tell you the truth. We had phone calls from people who heard about it who were willing to go and do him in. And I thought about it. It was only 200 quid they wanted. I said, I'll have three goes. But I had to go on a journey. I had a part to play in my restoration. I could have taken it out in my flesh. I could have said, okay, God, you're doing something to me. I return to the safe place. In the end, Jesus, it's all about you. It's not about me and my money and this guy. It's about you. So I had to choose in that moment, despite my flesh, to say my safe place. And God has still restoring me to a better place. And that is my truth. And it will be your truth. You have a part to play. Here's, I think, a bit of a picture of the world we live in right now. In Romans 1, verse 25. 
they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshipped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. See, what's happened is humanity is created in the image of God, was having perfect relationship with God. God in his word is continually showing us what he's really like in the end, showing us what he's actually like in Jesus, the fulfillment of it all. And people have seen it and they've actually said, no, yeah, that's good, but actually I prefer people relationship I prefer possessions and holidays and and I prefer platforms and titles and we've made things more important than God I think for most people on the planet that is their reality we've exchanged the truth of the, the awesomeness of God for the awesomeness of what this world has to offer and it's wrong and yet we come to him and people come to him saying where's God in it all well, you chose not to include God in it, or you chose to do something different, and I think that's the world we live in. Yeah. Search my heart, Lord. Do I do that? Do I put things before you? If there's anything that is a priority in your life over your relationship with God, you need to consider that. That is our reality. God is calling all of us back to himself. Look at this in Revelation three fifteen and 16. I know your deeds that you're neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Has anyone ever had a lukewarm cup of tea or cup of coffee by raise of hand? My stepdad, Bob, he's brilliant. He's he's fantastic at DIY. If you've ever seen any of my Sarah's renovation projects, Bob, my stepdad, will be very heavily involved in that. But this is what he does. He gets there, my role, I'm rubbish at DIY, my role is tea man. I know where I'm at. I make Bob a lovely, want a cup of tea, Bob? Yeah, I'll have a cup of tea, I'll have a cup of tea. You make Bob a cup of tea and then he gets involved and he's measuring and he's cutting and he's painting and he's sticking and he's putting things back. About an hour later, his cup of tea's still there. I'm like, Bob, you didn't drink your tea. He went, oh, I got involved. I said, I'll make you another one. He went, no, it'll be all right. And he drinks it. It's horrible. It's, like, it's not quite cold yet. It's just got that little bit of temperature. It's like, oh, that's lukewarm. Here's the challenge in that passage. It's written to the church. I wonder, church, are we fiery for Jesus? I wonder, church, is he number one? I wonder, church, are there other priorities? Are we living like the world where we've exchanged the truth for something else? Are we, are we in a situation where we fully understood the price that Jesus paid? We know he went to a cross and died a death he didn't deserve on my behalf to lift my life up. I know that to be true. And yet I saunter through life thinking, oh, I know God loves me, but I'm just going to get about my little life. God is saying, you're neither hot nor cold. You kind of believe it, but you're not passionate about it. It makes me want to spit you out. For some people today, that's your challenge. Get fiery for Jesus. Come on, God is calling his church to himself and say, I need you passionate. I need you hot again. Lukewarm is rubbish. It's disgusting. It's horrible. Don't live there. If you know Jesus today, let me fire you up. Let me fire you up. I love it when you look at the book of Joel. And Joel is this great book of restoration. And it says this. 
And this is still what God is saying to us, his church. Joel 2, verse 12. Even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. There's that realisation that I committed to you years ago, Lord God, and I do believe in you and I trust you, but I'm just doing my own thing. And God is saying, come back to me. Come back to the safe place. Come on, you should be upset with yourself. Return to me with weeping. I'm sorry, God, I'm passionate about you again. Come to me. God is calling his church to himself. And it's a good thing. You know, I hope this doesn't go, this isn't a telling off. This is an encouragement. We've all done it. We've all lived in that space. I'm sure none of us better than the others. But God is saying, just come back. Just get fiery again. Just get back involved. And look what happens. Same passage, Joel 2, just slightly down. Verses 25 and 26. I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten. The locusts and the young locusts and the other locusts and the locust swarm, my great army that I sent among you, you will have plenty to eat until you are full and you will praise the name of the Lord your God who has worked wonders for you. Never again will my people be shamed. Come back to me. Get fiery again because this is what I want to do. I want to give you back all that's been stolen in your life. All the things that you've had taken from you. There will be people in this room who've had possessions taken, health taken, relationship taken, confidence taken. And God is saying, just come back to me. Get serious with me again, because I want to repay you. And your average language, look at the language there. You will have plenty, never again to be ashamed. Can you see the heart of the Father in all of this? God is about restoring your life. He wants you whole. He wants you well. He wants you to have a testimony of his goodness. But he says, you have a part to play. Return to the fortress. Get passionate about me. Come back to me again. Because he's, he's just, I'm here. I'm here. I want to do it for you. But you need to meet with me. This is a relationship. Relationship is a two-way street. Have you ever been in a relationship where it's a one-way street? You're giving, you're giving, you're giving. Nothing's coming back. In the end, it's like, oh, for crying out loud. And God's like, come on, this is a two-way street, church. Come and meet me here because I've got stuff for you. I want to repay you. You're living in frustration, but I could overcome that frustration if only you'd get serious about me again. Are you with me? Your average language will be, I have plenty. The book of Job. You might be familiar with that. Tough read, the book of Job. And don't worry, it's it's a very long book actually, and I'm not going to read it all to you. But this is the gist of it. Satan approaches God and says to God, you love Job, but the only reason Job loves you is because he's successful. He's got everything going on. He's got a lovely marriage. He's got successful children. He's got a great business. He's healthy. Of course he loves you. He's blessed. And God says, no, he loves me for who I am. And he says, no, no, he doesn't. Of course he loves you. He's got all he wants. And God says, okay, I'll allow you to attack him, but you can't kill him. And the gist of the story goes like this. Satan is released into Job's life, and he loses his business. Everything goes. Job is skint and struggling. Then his wife dies. Then his children die. Then his health is attacked. He breaks out in boils and all these horrible things. And he's sitting there thinking, what on earth? And then his friends turn up. And I'm sure you've got friends like this. They start analysing. On the one hand, they sit with him, which is good. If someone's struggling in life, sit with them. It's really important. They did that well. But they start saying, what's happened? And they give him terrible advice. They start saying, what have you done, Job? 
Clearly, God doesn't love you anymore. You've obviously done something to upset him. It's all your fault. And then they start, they start, they start questioning everything he's ever done and why this has all come on him. And Job's like, no, that's just not it. That isn't it. And here's where I want to take you. He came to this point, Job, where he thought, okay, this is awful, but I still know who you are. I still know you are good. I don't know why I'm going through this, but I still know you are good. And look at this section with me. Job 42 and verse 10. After Job prayed for his friends, can you see there again? Job does something which allows God to respond. Job prayed for his friends. Rather than saying to his friends, you've given me terrible advice. What on earth are you talking about? That is wrong. No, no, he just prayed for them. Job prayed for his friends. The Lord restored his fortunes. Here we go. And gave him twice as much as before. There's the heart of the father again. If the word says something once, listen to it. If it says it twice, three times, four times, God really means it. God is looking to restore twice as much to you. But we have a part to play. This is a rallying call to the church to come back to the Father, to make him number one, because he wants to bring restoration to your life. Can you see it? The God of restoration, but with God, is always supersized. He doesn't take you to where you were. He takes you to a better place. What I love about that story, and I've thought about it a lot, is he restores twice as much to Job, but he doesn't get two wives and double the amount of children. He gets the same. But there'll be the day in heaven when he meets them again. Twice as much. It's my father's heart for you. Here's, as I was writing this message, here's what I felt like God wanted to say specifically to some people in the room. God wants to restore your effectiveness. God wants to restore your effectiveness. You used to flow. You used to do stuff that produced fruit. And something happened along the way and your effectiveness has been limited. And it's brought frustration to you. When I looked at my life, and, and sorry for those who hate football stories, but it's been a big part of my life. Uh, we were at a party yesterday and one of the lads there went, oh, I wonder how many times you've used football in a preach. <laughs> but that's the story God's given me. I used to play as a winger. I was very fast and I'd run down the wing and my major role was to get to the, to the wing and, and cross the ball back for the big centre forward to come in and score with a header. So I was consistently crossing the ball. And um, there, was a, there was a point in time and I think uh, you know, I'd had a poor game or something and the manager really got on my back and said, come on, you know, you're better than that, Barry. And then the crowd starts shouting at you and bit by bit it just started getting in my head. And what happened is I'd, get, I'd, I'd beat the players like I was good at, but as I went to cross it back, I kept putting it behind the goal, which basically gives the ball back to the opposition. And every time I did it, the crowd would go, oh. And I don't know how many times you've ever had that, but when you have it four or five times, oh, you're almost like expecting it. And then I'd come in at half time and the manager would be like, Barry, come on, you're beating him, it's great, but stop putting it behind the goal, which led to me putting it behind the goal even more. Do you know? Why? Because your confidence goes. Confidence is so important. And so I'd lost my confidence. I was more than capable. I got to that level of football because I was actually good. But then this moment of a confidence crisis stopped my effectiveness. And I felt like God wanted to say to some people, What's happened? What's knocked your confidence, which has ruined your effectiveness? And it could be any area of your life. But I came here to say, Jesus is able to restore. 
you find in Jesus your biggest cheerleader. Whatever that thing is in you, God put it there and he wants you to succeed. It's been robbed along the way through, it could be words, it could be situations, it could be choices, I don't know what it is. But something's been robbed from you. And Jesus is here by his spirit today to say, I want to restore you. But not to where you were, to a better place. Amen. Touch the person next to you say, today's your day of restoration. Here's the key. Stay close to Jesus. Stay close to Jesus. It sounds simple, but we need to be people who start putting some disciplines in our life. What does staying close to Jesus look like for you? It's okay to hear a preacher say that, but what does that mean? For me, when I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is pray. I open my eyes, and it's become routine, but it's a good routine. Thank you for today, Lord God. Then I look at my wife and go, thank you, Jesus, because <laughs> she's awesome. And I pray, and I pray for my children. And I say, this is what I say today, Lord, I'm available to your purposes. Let me make someone else's day better. I do that every single day. And it's routine, but it's a good routine. Then I open my version Bible app. Thank you, Craig Rochelle. And there's a reading plan, and there's a verse for the day, and it just gets me inspired. I do that before I get out of bed. It's a discipline. What does it do? It starts my day off on a platform where Jesus is central before I've even left the bedroom. And it's a simple thing. You might have other things, but this is what my challenge is. Create disciplines which put Jesus in the middle of it all. It will help you. John 15 and verse 5. I am the vine, Jesus speaking. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, listen, you will bear much fruit. But apart from me, you can do nothing. When we're talking about effectiveness, where are you going to be most effective? Where are you going to produce the most fruit? When you're in Jesus. That is your key right now. Don't overcomplicate it. That is the answer. Create disciplines in your life to say, Jesus, I need you. And just watch restoration come your way. I don't know whether you've been bashed about in life, whether you've been wounded physically, emotionally, spiritually even, but your hope is found in him. He is the great restorer. I love this, and this is one of my favorite things about Jesus. Jesus cares more about people than he does about rules. Jesus cares more about you than he does about the rules. He lived in a time where the, the Pharisees and Sadducees and teachers of the law were all high and mighty and walked around in their finery and were well respected and revered, but they knew all the rules, but they just didn't know the heart of the Father. And Jesus continually pushed against it. And Jesus found himself on this particular day with this guy who came to him with a withered hand. His hand was all shriveled, but it was a Sabbath day. And he came up to Jesus and he says, I know you could heal me. Would you do it? But the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the teachers of the law were all there. And it was the Sabbath. How very dare you on the Sabbath, Jesus. Oh, we are hawk-eyeing you. We have got you on the Sabbath. What are you going to do? And this is what he did. Mark chapter 3, verse 5. Jesus looked around at them in anger. You are totally me. You think you're great. You wear your refinery. You know all the rules, but you're totally missing the heart of God. It angered him. Have you ever been angered at religious people? Well, you're sitting in good company because Jesus was angered by religious people. Our faith is a relationship, not a bunch of rules. Jesus looked around at them in anger. 
and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts. And he said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out and his hand was completely restored. Completely restored. Can you see it right there? Jesus cared more about that man than he cared about the rules. But then the same thing applied that I'm trying to share with you today. The man had to do something. He had to stretch out his hand. You come to me and I'll come to you. Stretch out your hand. And what happened? In stretching out and reaching to Jesus, he was not partially restored, not restored okay, but completely restored. I want to suggest to you today, church, if you need some complete restoration, the ball is in our court, we need to take a step towards Jesus. And as we take a step towards Jesus, someone's going to get their restoration. And I'm going to believe with you, if you'll believe with me in our faith, that it's going to be twice as much, because that's always been the heart of the Father. Restoration is coming your way. Here's the thing. The man had to stretch out to Jesus while his hand was withered, not after his hand was healed. And I believe there's people sat in this room and there'll be people who watch this online that are living wounded, that are living in frustration. You've suffered loss. You might be angry about it. But it's right in that situation that you need to reach out to Jesus. It's not afterwards. It's before. And it's, it's a faith step because it's like, yeah, I'm frustrated. Yeah, I've suffered loss. Yeah, things aren't flowing how I hoped they would. But despite all of that, remember Job. Despite all that, he still knew the heart of God. He prayed for his friends and he was restored. Despite all you're going through, despite all you've suffered, despite all that's come against you, take a step towards Jesus. Know his heart in it all. And his promise is, I will completely restore you. And I'm going to believe with you that he'll restore you to a better place. Ultimately, when we look at Jesus' life, he came to restore us to being at one with God. That was his whole goal. You know, humanity's starting point was with God. We were created in his image to walk with him and to worship him. And they were in the garden, man and God face to face doing life. That was always God's plan. But Satan hated it. And we know the story. Started doing his whispering. Did God really say that? Don't eat from that tree. Did he really say that? You sure? Started sowing seeds of doubt. I wonder if you're hearing this message even now. And your, your faith's rising. You're like, yeah, that is the heart of God. And then you pause for a moment and you start thinking, oh, but would that happen for me? That is the whisper of the enemy right away. Don't let him rob it. Let your faith stir. Our adversary always wanted to rob our relationship with God. And so what happened? Man had a thought, acted on it, and it caused separation from God. And lots happened in that separation. And one of the things I want to look at today that happened in our separation is this. We lost our identity. We lost our identity. You see, when we know whose we are, it's very easy to know who we are. And when we got separated from God, who we belong to, suddenly we lost ourselves in it all. Many of you will know my children, both Josh and Evie, very proud of them. You know they're my children by the way they behave. Absolute lunatics. No, seriously. You look at them, they're confident. They carry themselves well. They're quite loud. Don't mind that. They're people of faith. They serve in church. They're Jesus people. They're kind. They go for it. 
And then if you're new at church and you suddenly realise who my children are, you're not surprised by it. You're like, ah, of course. Because they know whose they are. They know who they are. And behave like it. Here is your, here's your reality, church. You're a child of God. Can we behave like it? When someone looks at you, they, they shouldn't be surprised to find out you're a Christian. Oh, that's, I get it now. You belong to the Father. That's why you behave like you do. That's why you're a person of faith. That's why you're a person of kindness. That's why you're a person of generosity. That's why you can always be full of hope because you're a prisoner of hope because you know whose you are. He loves you. And you're a child of the King. I, I love that program on telly. Have you ever seen it called uh, Who Do You Think You Are on TV? And the gist of it is that celebrities, and they, they take them on a journey and they go through their, their family tree. And quite often it's tears. They suddenly find out, oh, I didn't realise that. Oh, and I came from there. And it's t- Why? Because there's a deep longing in us to know who we are. And these celebrities are suddenly like, oh, I was related to so-and-so. I didn't know that. And suddenly they start thinking, oh, I know a little bit about who I am now. And family trees are awesome. Brilliant. But ultimately, you're a child of God. And when you fully are grounded on that, it helps you to know who you are and therefore how you're going to behave. In our world, there's a huge identity crisis, isn't there? Everywhere you look now, you know, one morning I'm waking up, I'm a man. The next I'm a woman. The next I'm a tree. (laughs) Today, I identify as a flip-flop. It's just like, (laughs) we've forgotten who we are. But when we know our identity is in Christ, we're children of God. And when I know who I belong to, I know who I am and I can behave like it. Church, we need to demonstrate some stuff to a world that is just losing its identity. Know whose you are and start acting like it. When you lose your identity, I think a lot of things happen. You get a loss of vision. You think, well, where am I going and what am I doing if I don't even know who I am? You get a loss of purpose. You get a loss of confidence. How can you be confident when you don't really know who you are? And when your confidence goes, it becomes quite stressful. Your effectiveness goes. You start striving. It is so important we know who we are. Touch the person next to you, look them in the eye and say, remember who you are. Jesus came with this goal to restore us back to relationship with God. Our righteousness, which is ultimately right standing with God, is found in Jesus. I don't know what you've done, how good or bad or ugly it is. I know this, Jesus covers it. And my righteousness is because of Jesus, not because of me. My goal then is to do my best to live like that. And when I get it wrong, he covers it. But I do my best to live like that because I know who I am and I know I have right standing with God. My righteousness is found in Christ. I'm not better than anyone else, but I'm on a journey of being the best me. Because Jesus is showing me who I am and he loves me. When we know we're children of God and we fully grasp it, I'm royalty. And I'm going to behave like it. It restores my peace. I know who I am. And when I'm weak, I know he's strong. And when I'm struggling, I know he's with me. And when I'm celebrating, he's celebrating too. And when I'm crying, he cries with me because he's my dad. And he loves me. And I know who I am and I can have that deep peace. Whatever I might be going through in life, I have a deep peace because I know my father. Every day I can get out of bed in a strong place knowing that my father's with me today. And it helps me to function at my best. I'm not you, you're not me. 
but how about you be the best version of you found in Christ? And I'll be the best version of me found in Christ, not competing with anyone else. I love this verse here in Psalm 51, verse 12 and 13. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners will turn back to you. I love this. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. I love that. Do we sometimes just get blasé about it? I'm saved. My past is forgiven. Not because I'm great, because he's great. Everything I've done wrong is dealt with. All my issues are dealt with. Not because I'm great, because he's great. I am saved because of Jesus and no other reason. I love this. No weapon formed against me can prosper. That's my reality. Why? Because I'm in Jesus. I don't know what's coming at you, but I know this. It's going to bounce straight off of you because you're shield of faith. My God has got me. I know whose I am. I know who I am. I'm being the best version of me. You can try and tear me down, but I'm going to be restored to double. That's my life. I love it. I'm blessed. I'm highly favoured. Because of Jesus, I'm overcoming my issues. And salvation is an ongoing thing. There is a moment of salvation where you say, Jesus, you're welcome here. That's a moment of salvation. But then your salvation is ongoing. You know, maybe you're saved by Jesus, but you've got a, a, an anger issue. And that's okay, that's where you're at. We all love each other anyway, but it's like, Jesus, help me with this anger issue. And he saves you from it. He takes you on a journey. And then you, then you have a bit of a problem with forgiveness. And it's just like, oh, that person, it's easy for you to say, Pastor Barry, but you don't know what they did. And no, I don't know what I did, but I know this, Jesus forgave you for what you did, and he forgave me for what I did. So that enables me to forgive someone for what they did, and it keeps me in with Jesus, where I'm fruitful, and I'm satisfied, and I'm being restored. That is God's heart for you. But I love the second half of that little passage. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. Then... I will teach transgressors your way so that sinners turn back to you. Can you see the call to mission? Church, we're on mission. There is a world out here struggling with identity. There is a world out here struggling with the cost of living. There is a world out here who have forgotten who they are. And we carry the greatest message on the planet to say, come back to Jesus. You'll find yourself. You'll find provision. You'll find health. You'll find your identity. You'll find hope. You'll find your future. Come back to Jesus. It's just literally the best message on the planet. And I love the way he puts that. And I will teach transgressors. In the Bible, you'll find three different groups. You have sin, transgression, and iniquity. Have you seen those words? Let me very briefly unpack them for you. Sin is basically missing the mark. You know, you get up, you do something, oh, I shouldn't have said that. Anyone said anything off the cuff and think, oh, I shouldn't have said that straight away. That's sin. So you just missed the mark. You're not the worst person on the history of the planet. You just missed it. You got it wrong. You said something wrong. You thought something wrong. You did something wrong. It's a moment in time, and God says, I'll cover that. Transgression is a slightly another level. Transgression is when you know something is wrong, and you choose to do it anyway. See, sin's missing the mark. Oh, I shouldn't have done that. That was a bit, oh, idiot. Transgression's like, I think I'm going to go and steal that chocolate bar. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Mars bar, come to daddy. It's transgression because I know it's wrong and I do it anyway. I, I make a choice. Can you see it's a slightly another level? Iniquity is another level again. Iniquity is when you find yourself in transgression so much it becomes part of who you are. It becomes a lifestyle. This is just what I do. I am Mr. Mars bar stealer. 
Every day I'm like, oh, it doesn't matter. It's only another Mars bar. It becomes part of who I am. It's living in sin continually. Sin, transgression, iniquity. What he says here is I'm going to approach the transgressors, people who are doing what they know is wrong, and teach them there's a better way. If you come to Jesus and find yourself in him, he's going to restore to you all that's been lost. You're going to remember who you are and you're going to become fruitful. You'll become into a place of satisfaction. Are you with me? Could we start becoming proactive at reaching out to a hurting world? I think it starts with us reaching out to Jesus and saying, I'm making you number one. And he restores us. And from that place of restoration, we can look out and go, there are people who just need this message. And it might be speaking to them, praying for them, doing something for them, living it out in front of them. I don't know how it will pan out in your world, but I know this. You carry the best message and the world needs to hear it. I want to pray these kind of prayers. Use me, Lord. Use us, Lord. What does that look like for you? And will you take it on? Will you start saying, yes, I've got the best message in the world and I'm going to carry it strongly. Is there an amen in the house for people saying, God's going to bring restoration today? Could, I, could you stand? I'd love to pray with you. I'd love you just to close your eyes if you're willing. You don't have to. Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd move amongst us right now. Thank you that you're highlighting to us the spirit of restoration. The heart of the Father in all of this. The amazing, amazing people who are listening to this have an opportunity to reach out to you in full confidence that everything that's been stolen will be given back and more. So would you move, Lord God? Would you move, Lord God? As I wrote this message, God placed very clearly on my heart all the people who are in this room from Hong Kong. If you're from Hong Kong right now, actually, would you mind raising your hands if you're, you're from Hong Kong, some people down here? Someone at the back. Would some people move around and just place some hands on these guys? I just want to pray for them specifically. So good. Thank you, guys. Let's do this together. These people have made very big life choices. I've talked to some of them, and they've been going through a very difficult time. Here's what I love about them. They love Jesus. You can see it all over them. And as I wrote the message, guys, the Holy Spirit prompted me to say, speak over the people from Hong Kong and tell them I'm about to give them double. You've suffered loss in your decision-making suffered loss in your movement but the Lord has seen your heart so if there's any faith in the room at all come on let's just start reaching out to these people and declaring double over them Lord God I lift up these brilliant people to you and I declare in faith that word double over anything that's been lost double in your relationships double in your finances double in your health Double in, double in your accommodation. Double in your friendships. 
double in your family closeness double in your joy double in your faith double in your gifting thank you Jesus I declare double over you people the father has seen you he's highlighted you and he's standing with you stay in the vine and you will be fruitful stretch out your hand to Jesus and he will completely restore you come back to him and he'll repay you twice as much these are his truths I declare double over you if you're standing with someone you feel like you've got a word or you want to pray you can do that but we're going to keep praying aside from that so please pray if you feel that you'd like to Let's stay focused, church. I just wonder if there's some people today who feel like they had their confidence robbed somewhere along the way. And the outworking of that is that you aren't as effective as you hoped you'd be because you lost your confidence somewhere. It was robbed from you. And I don't know how that happened, but I know it has happened. Well, today the Holy Spirit wants to give you back your confidence return your effectiveness and make it double I'm not going to ask for a raise of hands but I know there's people in the room who relate to that praying for you Father God for every person who's had their confidence robbed for every person who's had their effectiveness robbed I declare restoration to you in Jesus name reach out to Jesus he's the key reach out in faith saying Lord that, that happened to me and it knocked me. But today I ask for restoration. And I declare, be effective in Jesus' name. Know who you are in Jesus' name. Let your confidence be restored in Jesus' name. Go and live life bigger and larger and more effective than ever before. I declare it over you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. been stolen from you is your health and it bothers you well is it in an environment like this full of faith where God's saying I'm going to restore you this is your moment is there anyone who's got a health issue going on and you say I'd love someone to pray with me just give me a wave we'll pray with you someone here can we get alongside that awesome man and someone over here look can we get alongside that person let's move around guys it's fine to do that especially if you, you know how to pray. This is your time. Guy in the striped t-shirt over here. Guy over there. Anyone else, don't miss your moment. Let's be praying. There's faith in this room. There's faith in this room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father God, we lift up these brilliant people who have health issues, who aren't whole in their body. Come on, church, is there faith in their room? We declare the word restoration to you in Jesus' name. Be healed, be whole in the name of Jesus. Be washed in the blood. Receive your testimony of his goodness. If you're with that person, just take a moment to pray.
take a moment to pray. Lord, I want to pray for people who feel like they've gone a bit lukewarm. I'm not going to ask you to respond. This is between you and Jesus. Who have been in a better place spiritually. Who believe in you. Who love you. But just somewhere along the line are less passionate about it. Father God, I lift up those people to you. And I ask you that you would restore their passion. You would fire them up, put fire back in their belly. Remind them, Lord God, of all you've done, who you are and how you see them. Child of God, child of God, be stirred again in Jesus' name. I don't want to shout that and whip it up. I want it to be real in your heart. Be stirred again in Jesus' name. Get your fire back. It's time to be hot. It's time to be hot. Be restored in Jesus' name. Is there anyone here today who doesn't have Jesus in their heart? It's the day of the day you come back to Jesus. It's the day of the day you say, I want you in my heart, Lord God. It might be you've never prayed that. It might be you once felt like you were living that and you're not anymore. Is there anyone today who says, Jesus, I want you in my heart. I want that hope this guy speaks of. I want to come under your restoration power. I want to be in you so that I become fruitful. Is today the day you put your heart right with Jesus? Just with every eye closed, give me a wave and I'll pray for you. Is that you today? Just let me know. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Okay, everyone's good today, but it's good to give that opportunity, isn't it? got a word um, if it just, if just close your eyes it's willing um, Jesus has taken me through a journey these last few weeks and it's been so powerful but it's been an on the knees moment I'm not I'm not a crier um, but he's had me in tears because um, he's been saying to be restored you have to come away <laughs> to be restored you have to go away and you have to come away with father links in so well with what Pastor Barry has said he said church you've become too familiar you've become too familiar with me he, he, he said you've you're treating me like a mate yet I'm the Messiah oh, that got me I was like oh geez I'm sorry you're treating me like a mate that come and go and sometimes let you down and sometimes you join in but he's saying I'm sovereign king I'm your Messiah, the great I am. Will you come away with me? You go to work eight hours, 10 hours, 12 hours a day, yet you give me 10 minutes of your time each day. Whew, that got me. He said, if you come away with me and spend time, then I'll really show you my power and I'll really show you my presence. But you have to come away with me. You give time to your work and you give time to the people around you. Will you give time to me, he said. And this is not a saying off, but if from today he's saying, will you do it, church? From 
not from being familiar, but saying, Jesus, I start again. I'll give you my time again. Will you challenge me, Jesus, to, to look at my life and say, yeah, I need to do that better. I need to spend time in my word there. I need to spend time with that person this week. Not to concentrate on the finance or not to concentrate on the house or not to concentrate on the work, but to come into Jesus' presence where you are, Lord God, the sovereign king, the Messiah, the great I am, the counsellor, the deliverer, the great hope. Father, I thank you, Father, that you restore us when we come away with you. So this morning, Jesus, we say we will come away with you. We say, yeah, here we are. We're sorry for the things we've done. Sorry for the things we've said. Sorry for the actions that we've done. And we say, yes, Lord, we, we spend time with you. We spend time on our word, Lord Jesus. We thank you, Jesus, that you, you died for us. You died for us, each one. That you redeemed us. That you restore us. You give us your great love and your great counsel. But Father, it starts. It starts with us. So I pray, Jesus, that on the 3rd of July, 2022, there will be a shift in your church, a shift in Equipus Essex, a shift in our hearts to say, we put you first, Lord God. We bow the knee to you, Jesus, and you only, Jesus. We say we're sorry, Lord God, when we put other things first. We say we're sorry. And we say we put you first. You've laid a table for us and we say, yes, let us come to that altar. Let us come to that table. Let us reflect that you will renew us, restore us. But we have to have that time looking into Jesus' eyes. Father. Oh, Father, if you, church, everybody, let's put your hand on your heart. Thank you. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for the action here this morning of putting our hands on our hearts and say, it's yours, Jesus. It's yours, Jesus. It's yours, Jesus. Soften us where we need to be softened. Take away our own expectations and our own ideas, our own familiarity, Lord God, of who you are, Lord God. And come, on, come and blow our minds, Jesus for who you are, Lord Jesus. Come and blow our minds, Lord God. Give us the excitement back of being your church, your bride, your people, your chosen people, Lord God. But we look to you. Give us the time to be in your presence. Give us the time to be in your holy of holies. Give us the time, Lord, to separate ourselves from the things around us, Lord God. But the best place is in your presence. Give us time to pray. Give us time, Lord Jesus one-on-one -on -one with you. Give us time to read your word and it comes to life, Lord God. You'll blow our minds and our expectation for who you are, Lord God. <laughs> wow. You are everything, the beginning and the end. The great I am, the author, the Omega, Lord Jesus. We say thank you. Oh, I thank you for the word that Pastor Barry's brought this morning, Lord God, that you want to restore us, but we have to come away with you. Father, to touch hearts this morning, touch minds this morning, open ears to hear your voice, 
not the whispers of the enemy, Lord God, but our ears to hear your voice that we come away with you, Lord God. Thank you. Thank you, Lord God. Thank you, there's great decisions being made here this morning. Thank you, Father God. Thank you, Lord Jesus, you're smiling down. You're touching hearts right now, Lord Jesus. Thank you. We put you first. We put you first. We put you first, Lord.